I, um, you know, last Sunday I did some teaching and told you that I felt God was really reaching for somebody. And even if they weren't present physically, that God is dealing with somebody's heart. And I still feel that very strongly. I'm going to do some teaching again this morning, something that I felt. And I'm going to ask you to, to bear with me as, once again, I take a little time to lay a foundation and deal with something that I think most of us are familiar with, but I really feel this today. Amen. Praise God. And um, I can tell you that, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing. I, I, I feel like, just like with last week, I feel like I got a pretty good grasp of the oneness of the Godhead. I think I got a pretty good grasp of it. <laughs> Uh, but still, I still learned some things as I did my study and preparation last week. And, and so it is even today, the things that I'm going to discuss, I felt like I had a pretty good grasp of it, but learned a few things again. And I trust that you will as well. I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 28, and we will begin with verse number 16 and... Uh, Again, I want to encourage those that are online uh, to send in your amens and um, other comments. Text them to me or mark them there if you're listening on YouTube or Facebook, wherever you're listening. Feel free to, to make some comments along the way. I do try to go back and read them. Uh, if they're coming in on my phone, I really have a one-track mind. And when I'm preaching, I, I don't always stop to read what's being said, but I do see a amen or so come in, and it is a bit encouraging. And so I would appreciate that. Matthew chapter 28, and we're beginning with verse number 16. Matthew 28. And verse 16, the Bible says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Praise God. Now, this passage that I have read to you, scholars, Christian scholars, by and large, refer to this as the Great Commission. And we're going to talk about that today. In fact, I'm going to use that as a title. The Great Commission. Amen. And um, we're going to talk about what makes it so great. Hallelujah. Amen. It is a great commission. It is a great commission. We're going to talk about it here for a while this morning. If you'll help me, praise God. Would you put your Bibles down? Would you lift your hands 
Would you, would you pray today once again, pray that God would grant revelation to anyone who may listen to this message. Amen. Anyone who may hear it, whether in, uh, in person or online, that God would grant them revelation today and enlighten their minds. Let's pray together, everybody. to come, oh God. Lord, grant, oh Lord, to the hearers divine enlightenment and understanding, oh God, that they might understand the scriptures. We thank you now. We thank you now. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord together. Let's worship the Lord together, everybody. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Dictionary.com tells us that the word commission means the act of entrusting a person or group with supervisory power or authority. It is the act of entrusting a person or group with supervisory power or authority. It's further defined as to authorize or to send on a mission. Now, with this being the definition of the word commission, I I got to thinking, Brother Goff, it's interesting that scholars would so universally Uh, decide that this commission was the great commission. When there were other times that Jesus commissioned his followers in the scriptures. There were other times. Uh, Let me give you just a couple of examples. In Matthew chapter 10, uh, verses 1, we'll just read verse 1 and verse 5. Matthew 10, verse 1 and verse 5. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Verse 5, read. And these twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. Now, Now understand the definition of commission. It is entrusting someone with supervisory power or authority. It is authorizing someone and sending them on a specific mission. We see Jesus commissioning the 12. He sends them on a very specific mission. He gives them authority over unclean spirits, over sicknesses and diseases. He tells them where to go and where not to go. This is a commissioning of the 12. And then Luke chapter 10, and we'll read verse 1 and verse 9. 
After these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whither he himself would come. And so again, he's taking now not just the twelve, but seventy. And he's sending them out two by two, and he is telling them where to go. Verse 9. And heal the sick that are therein. Heal the sick. And say unto them, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. And so he sends them. He gives them authority over sickness. He gives them a specific uh, message to deliver. This is a commission. Hallelujah. And so these are just two times in the ministry of Jesus when he offered a commission. And yet we look at Matthew 28, 19, and we call it the Great Commission. And, and so I began thinking about this over the last few days. And I thought, what is it about this commissioning that makes it different from the others? Well, I want to share with you a few things if you'll stay with me here for just a little while today. First of all, there is the timing of Matthew 28. Are you with me? I'm, I'm trying to show you the difference of, uh, of this commissioning in Matthew 28 and uh, the others that we read in Matthew 10 and Luke 10. First of all, there is the timing of this commission. In Matthew chapter 28, this commission was delivered after the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord. Amen. This happened after he arose and before he ascended. The timing of it makes it significant. Second, there is the purpose of this commission. You might have noticed in the passages in Matthew 10 and Luke 10 that the Lord specifically sent them to heal the sick and to cast out devils. He gave them a purpose in what they were doing. He commissioned them to do a specific job but in Matthew 28 he sends them not so much just for healing and deliverance but he sends them now in Matthew 28 to go and teach or the word means to make disciples of all nations and to baptize them amen and to train them it's a different purpose that is given here Amen. Now, it, it seems obvious to me that uh, uh, although Matthew 10 and Luke 10 authorized the disciples to do good works, uh, they could not yet preach the gospel, which is what Matthew 28 is doing. The reason that they could not go and preach the gospel is because the components of the gospel had not yet taken place. Are you with me? Amen. What is the gospel? 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We go through this a lot, but it's, it's good to be reminded. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. All right, now first of all, Paul says, I'm going to declare to you what the gospel is. All right, verse 2. By which also ye are saved. The second thing, Paul says, this is what saves us. 
If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you ha- unless you have believed in vain. All right, beginning with verse three, he tells us what it is. For I delivered unto you the first of all that which also I also received, how that Christ died for our Christ sins. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Yes. And that he was buried. He was buried. And he rose again and he the rose third again. day, according to the scriptures. So, so these three things make up the gospel. And, and so I'm telling you, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that is the gospel. And there was no way that the disciples or the 70 could preach the gospel until after the death, burial, resurrection had taken place. Amen. So the purpose of Matthew 28 was different. Amen. The, uh, the purpose is different because the timing is different. Do, do you understand? Amen. And, and then the third thing that makes Matthew 28 uh, different from the other commissions is the scope of the commission. Not only the timing and the purpose, but the scope. What is involved here? In Matthew 10, Jesus was specifically commissioning the 12. In Luke 10, he was specifically commissioning the 70. But in Matthew 28, scholars agree that although he was speaking to those that were present, this particular commission actually applies to everyone even down to the year 2020. He wasn't just sending out the 12 and he wasn't just sending out the 70, but he's sending everybody. Well, hallelujah. Amen. The scope of what is involved in Matthew 28 makes it greater than any other commission. Amen. And so each difference uh, contributes to the fact that this commission is greater than the others. Because of the timing of Matthew 28, it's a greater commission. It happened between his resurrection and his ascension. You understand the significance there. This is the end of his earthly ministry and the beginning of the church. So the timing of this commission makes it greater than other commissions. Amen. The purpose of the commission, it's not just healing the sick and casting out devils, but now it's saving the lost. Amen. They couldn't be saved in the church age before the death, burial, and resurrection. He sent them out to do some good works. He sent them out, amen, to help some folks. But in Matthew 28, his purpose was not so much just healing and deliverance it was salvation that's what it was all about and so the purpose of Matthew 28 makes it a greater commission and then the scope of course because it not only included the 12 and the 70 but it includes us this is indeed a greater commission and so I hope you understand why we refer to Matthew 28 as the great commission. Now, I want us to understand this commission. And, and here's the thing that started going over in my mind 
uh, over the last few days, Brother Chad, I, I got to thinking about this. I thought, you know, really, folks want to just point to Matthew 28 and say, that's the Great Commission. But the fact of the matter is, Matthew 28 is not the only place that the Great Commission is mentioned. This same commission is also mentioned by two other writers. Matthew's not the only one that talked about it. Mark talked about it. And Luke talked about it. Hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you that we cannot understand Matthew 28 unless we compare it to the other places that the commission takes place. Now, stay with me, church. Stay with me. You know, as we have taught, as I've taught through uh, the book of Matthew and then Mark, we've talked about how so many times when you read a story in Matthew and then you come along and read it in Mark, you're going to find some little difference between Matthew and Mark. And, and I've tried to stress to you that when you find a difference, it's not that there's a contradiction that's there. What is the answer? If there's a difference between Matthew and Mark, what's the answer? It's more detail. What does that mean? It means they're both right. Right? And so really you don't get the full picture until you've read them both. And so it is with the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. You're not going to get the entire picture just by reading Matthew 28. You've got to read everything else. I, I, I don't know if I'm conveying to you what I'm trying to convey today. But I'm just telling you that, that when you look at what Mark said, it's different than what Matthew said. When you look at what Luke said, it's different than what Matthew or Mark said. But there's no contradiction. You've got to put it all together. And understand that each writer had a reason for 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 uh, uh, writing the way he did and for including the details that he did. Each writer was anointed by God to try to reach a different uh, prospective group. Matthew's writing to the Jews and Mark's writing to the Romans and Luke is writing to the Greeks. And so when you look at these men and their writings, each of them would tell another part of the story not contradicting the other, but just adding different details. Well, hallelujah. Amen. And so we should never see a discrepancy here. We just need to see it as additional details. Hallelujah. That one or more of the other gospel writers did not feel led to include for whatever reason. And so I'm telling you, if you really want the full story, you got to get it from all the writers. You know, this is part of the reason why the Lord said that at the mouth of one witness, you can't accuse somebody. Because you got to get the whole story. Well, hallelujah. There's usually some other witness saw it from a little different angle. And he's got a few more details that someone else may not have. Praise God. So, I, you know, I've learned. You really want to know the truth of the matter. You don't talk to just one side. You got to hear from everybody that saw it. 
Because one witness may have picked up on some little detail that another witness didn't pick up on. And, and adding that detail can make all the difference in what's really happening in the story. Well, praise God. And, and, and please understand, I'm not saying any of the witnesses are lying. They can all be telling the truth. But each of them may have seen something different. All right. And I don't want to spend too much time there because I've got a long way to go here this morning. But, but here's what I want to do. I want to take the time, first of all, to just read for you. I don't want to read for you. I want you to read with me. I don't want you thinking this is bedtime stories. I want you to read with me. I want you to go in your Bible. Open to Matthew 28. And we're going to read Matthew's version. And then we're going over to the end of Mark. And we're going to read Mark's version. Then we're going to go to the end of Luke. And we're going to read Luke's version. And then, did you know there's another place that part of the Great Commission is dealt with? And that's in the book of Acts. Luke is the same writer of both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is really the sequel to his gospel. And Luke comes back and picks up on this great commission and adds a few more details in his sequel. All right? So so stay with me here this morning. Matthew chapter 28. Let's read this again, verses 18 through 20. Thank you. I see several of you with your Bibles. Thank you. Thank you. This is what I want happening. Read Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, let's go to the book of Mark, very last chapter of Mark. Mark chapter 16, and we're going to read verses 15 through 19. Amen. This is Mark's rendition of the Great Commission. Now, again, it's worded differently. It doesn't contradict Matthew. It adds a few details. All right, read. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these things shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. All right, and so now let's move to Luke's rendition. Luke chapter 24, verses 45 to 51. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass 
While he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. All right, now Luke concludes his gospel. Then he writes his second book, the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 4, reading through verse 9, Luke comes back and borrows from the first book and adds a few details. Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 4. And being assembled together with them, together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he saith, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And then when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taking up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. All right, now, now I, I specifically read on through the end of that, just so you could see Mark and the Gospel of Luke, and then the book of Acts, all say that immediately when he finishes, this is when he ascends into heaven. So I just want you to see this is the same story. The wording is totally different in every Gospel. There's not one of the Gospels that has the same wording. It's different in every case. But again, there's no contradiction. I'm just telling you that you don't get the full commission unless you read it in every location. And so here's what we're going to do for just a few minutes here this morning. Amen. I am going to take some time, amen, to, uh, to pull out statements from each of these. Uh, we're going to deal with uh, these, trying to put them in order as they appear. We're going to start with Matthew. We're going to try to show you the things where they connect in these passages. Is everybody with me? So let's go back now to Matthew. Go back in your Bible to Matthew chapter 28, amen, and and uh, uh, let's, let's begin here. Now, Matthew 28, verse 18 has no parallel. It's not addressed in any of the other Gospels, so it just stands alone by itself. Let's read again verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All right, now, no other uh, uh, Gospel writer includes this statement, but Jesus said it. He said it. And I'm telling you, it appears to me, he came and said, all power. It looks like to me, this is the first thing that comes out of his mouth. And so everything else that he is going to say, whether it's recorded in Matthew or Mark or Luke or Acts, everything else hinges on this statement. Jesus declared himself to be the all powerful one. He didn't say, I share power with two others in the Godhead. He said, all power is mine in heaven and in earth. And so everything else that comes after it, uh, amen, in any of these writings uh, has to be dependent on the fact uh, that Jesus is the only one that's got all power. Hallelujah. All right, now, let's go on then to, to verse 19. Matthew 28, verse 19. 
Go ye therefore and now, teach now, all nations. Now, now. Again, I've, I've dealt with this, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but the fact is he said, go ye, what? Therefore. Go ye therefore. And what have I taught you about the word therefore? Anytime you read the word therefore, you need to find out what it is there for. Right? you got to find out why it's there. The word therefore means because of what I just said. So Jesus clearly identifies that everything else I'm about to tell you is based on the fact that I alone have all power. Because I am the one who has all power. Listen, this is a commissioning. What's a commissioning? It is sending somebody with authority. Jesus is letting them know, I have the authority to send you. I'm the only one that has authority. Praise God. In fact, that's what the word really is there in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. He said, all power is given unto me. Amen. That word power is exousia. We've taught on that before. That's not strength or might. Uh, that's authority. And Jesus said, I am the only one that's got all authority. And because I've got authority, I then can send you with authority. I can delegate you on my behalf to go and do it, not in your own authority, but under my authority. Authority, because I'm the only one who has authority. All right? So go therefore, because I have all authority. And? And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. All right, so first of all, teach all nations. They're commissioned. Uh, again, literally this means uh, when he said teach, the, the, the literal translation is make disciples. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. This means that they were sent for the express purpose of saving the lost. I want you to go into all the world and I want you to convert the lost. Right? Now, this is where we can bring in Mark 16, verse 15. There is a comparison here. Mark 16, verse 15 says this. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the Go world. Go ye into all the world. And preach the gospel. And preach the gospel. To every creature. To every creature. And so you understand. Amen. And, and again, I would point out to you that in the commissioning of the 12 and in the commissioning of the 70, he specifically said, Don't go to the Gentiles. Don't go to any place I wouldn't go. And you've watched me. I've never gone to the country of the Gentiles. Amen. You go to the Jews. But now he's saying, go into all the world and preach the gospel, not just to the Jews, but to every creature. Praise God. Now this is, this is Mark's rendition of Matthew 28, 19. Matthew said, go therefore and teach all nations. Mark recorded it this way, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There's no contradiction there. It's just expansion. It's explanation. All right? All right, now let's, let's go back. Matthew 28, you're still looking at Matthew 28. Let's go back. So, so he says then, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and we're gonna deal with this in a few moments. But, but I do want to point out to you that part of preaching to the lost uh, involved baptism. 
It involved baptism. Now, let me show you something about it. Everybody sees that. You're looking at Matthew 28, 19, and you see, he says, he says, go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them. Everyone say baptizing them. Now, you, you, you gotta recognize this. He's dealing with the subject of baptism here. And he says this is something that's gotta happen as you go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You gotta baptize them. Now let me just show you. Let's look now at verse 20, Matthew 28, verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded now, you. Now wait a minute. Whatsoever I have what? Commanded you. Whatsoever I have what? Commanded you. What did he just say in verse 19? He said, go and teach and baptize. I'm here to tell you baptism was not a suggestion. I hope you're hearing me today. Water baptism was not a suggestion. This is not an option. This is not something you can choose to do or not to do. Jesus said, as soon as he got through talking about baptism, he said, now I want you to teach them everything I've commanded you. Well, what did he command? He just commanded, baptize them. Baptism becomes a commandment, not a suggestion. And in fact, Mark, when we go back to Mark 16, we see this confirmed. Jesus said, I, I, I don't know, Brother Goff, I hope that I'm, I hope I'm explaining this well enough, but, 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 but in, in, in verse 19, he mentions baptism. In verse 20, he says, now preach everything I've commanded. And so baptism is a command. Now, when we go to Mark 16, and Mark's telling this same story, he says, go and, and preach the gospel to every creature. Then verse 16 says, He that believeth and is baptized. And so there he brings up baptism again. Baptism is a vital part of the Great Commission. It's a vital part of the Great Commission. And Mark says this, he that believeth and is, and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Now understand this, that conjunction and is not or. This is not a choice. He said the only way you're going to be saved, you've got to not only believe, but you have to be baptized. That sounds a lot like what Matthew said when Matthew recorded that Jesus said, this is my commandment. How in this world do people think they're going to go to heaven ignoring the commandment of the Lord? It's his commandment. Amen. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved and he that believeth not shall be damned. Now, again, I'm, I'm focusing here on the fact and this gets overlooked in this whole great commission. I really think if, if many of these quote unquote scholars really sat down and studied this and really saw just how vital baptism is to this commission. See, when you just take one of these passages and you don't look at the whole thing, you don't get the real picture. But when you start looking at what he said in Matthew and compare that to what he said in Mark and you compare that to what he said in Luke, it becomes very clear that baptism is not an option. It's an essentiality. 
It's absolutely necessary. You cannot be saved without it. Let's go to Luke. Let's see what Luke's got to say. Again, remembering the Great Commission involves baptism. Let's see what Luke's got to say. Luke chapter 24. Turn over there. Luke 24, verses 45 to 51. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and arise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and, that and remission repentance of sins and remission of sins should be preached, should be in, preached his name in his name among all, among nations, all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Now, there's some things we got to understand. We've got to we've got to interpret Luke 24 in light of what's already been said in Matthew 28 and Mark 16. Are you with me? The only way we can understand Luke 24 is if we compare it to the other places that the Great Commission appears. And in Matthew and in Mark, Jesus included baptism. Now he says repentance and remission of sins. I'm here to tell you this is the only place we can insert baptism. It has to be a part of this entire commission somewhere and the only place it fits is right here where he said repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name isn't that interesting because Matthew 28 19 he said go and baptize in the name right you're still with me he said baptize in the name and so now in Luke, he's talking about the name again. But now he ties the name to remission of sins. I'm telling you, there's no other way to interpret this verse except baptism. This is the only place that the name is connected in the Great Commission. And so there are some things we immediately notice when we get to Luke's gospel about baptism. First of all, he said, and that repentance and remission of sins. So the first thing we notice about baptism is it's got to be preceded by repentance. Then we notice that there is a specific purpose behind baptism. It's not to tell the world you're a Christian. It's not to make a public profession of your faith. It's not an outward sign of an inward grace. I know some of you don't know any of those terms, but that's what the church world says. That's how they define baptism. I'm telling you, that's not how Jesus defined baptism. Jesus defines it here as for the remission of sins. Jesus said your sins cannot be remitted any other way except through baptism in his name. And that brings us to the third thing that we notice when we compare Luke's commission or Luke's version of the commission to Matthew and Mark's. What we notice here is that Luke, Luke specifically states it is to be in his, that's singular, in his name. And so, I'm telling you, we can't go to Matthew 28, 19 and hang our theology on the use of terms Father, Son, and Holy Ghost 
when that terminology doesn't line up with any other place that the Great Commission appears. We've got to understand what he meant by what he said. And the meaning of it is given for us right here. We don't have to go any farther. I can take you to John. He meant where Jesus said, I'm coming in my Father's name. I can take you to Matthew where she said, uh, where, where the Bible said, she'll bring forth a son and you'll call his name Jesus. I can take you over to John where it says the comforter which is the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name. But none of that really is even necessary when you just look at the commission in and of itself. You begin to understand that what Jesus said in Matthew 28 and verse 19 he said I'm the one that's got all power now go baptize in that name and we see that confirmed we see that confirmed in Luke 24 and 47 repentance and remission of sins would be preached I wasn't done with that verse put that verse back up here we weren't finished with that All right, now, and repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. And then we notice one other thing here that is important to everything else that's going on, and that is that here Jesus clarifies that this great commission is going to have the beginning of its fulfillment in a specific location. He didn't, he didn't mention that per se in the other Gospels. But again, there's no contradiction. We have to take all the details to get the full picture. Are you still with me? So, so he, says, he says, this great commission that I'm giving you to go and preach the Gospel to every creature, Jew and Gentile, this commission that I'm giving you where you're going to have to tell them to repent, and to be baptized in his name. All of this is going to start to be fulfilled at Jerusalem. Hallelujah. And so, let me just summarize this this much so far, all right? We've learned that the, the Great Commission, the only way it can be fulfilled is if it includes baptism that is preceded by repentance. It's done only in the singular name of the one who has all power. And it's done specifically for the remission of sins. Now that's what we've seen in this so far. And these factors are all important and we're gonna come back to them before I'm done. Hallelujah, amen. And I'm making good time, so don't don't worry about all that. We'll, We'll get through this today, amen. Now. We've looked at Matthew's version. We have, we, 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 we want to go now to Luke. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up on the rest of Mark in just a moment. But because but, um, we pretty much dealt with most of Mark, there's one thing in Mark's rendition of the Great Commission that stands alone, and we're going to come back and pick that up last. So let's, let's move now to the book of Luke again. Let's look a little further here in Luke chapter 24. Uh, let's look again at verse 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. All right, so again, there's no question that these men understood the Scriptures. They don't make a mistake. They don't get it wrong. Don't tell me I'd rather obey Jesus than Peter as though Peter disobeyed Jesus. These men understood what Jesus said. He gave them understanding before he started speaking. 
And so everything he spoke was confirmation to the understanding he had already given them. Well, praise God. All right. So, so let's, let's move on here. They, they have divine enlightenment. They know what the commission means. They know how it's to be fulfilled. And so let's read verses 48 and 49. And ye are witnesses of these things. Okay, you're witnesses. Everyone say witnesses. witnesses. All right, that's important. Read. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Everyone say the promise of the Father. All right. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. All right, so, so again, there's some things we see. This is the Great Commission. This is Luke's version of the Great Commission. And what we see, the details that we find in Luke's version here, and he says to them, first of all, he makes a connection between being a witness and the coming promise of the Father. Hallelujah. Right? Amen. That's what he does. He says in verse 48, you're witnesses. And the very next thing out of his mouth is I'm sending you the promise of the Father. Which he then goes on to say, again, it's going to start in Jerusalem. And he says that when the promise of the Father comes, it's going to endue you with power. Hallelujah. So this is what Luke says in his gospel. Now, he writes a sequel to his gospel. It's called the book of Acts. Let's go now to the sequel. Let's go to Acts chapter 1 and read verses 4 and 5. And being assembled together with them commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. Uh-huh. So again, here's the command. Go to Jerusalem. Read. But wait for but the promise. wait for the promise, promise of, the of the Father. So does everybody understand that Luke is picking up right here with the Great Commission again? He's beginning this book with the Great Commission because what the book of Acts is all about is the apostles fulfilling the Great Commission. I'm here to tell you what the apostles did in the book of Acts was obedience to what Jesus commissioned them to do in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They weren't out there striking out on their own. They weren't out there making up things to preach. They were fulfilling the great commission. Well, hallelujah. And so he says here, wait for the promise of the Father. But you've heard of me. We didn't finish that, did we? we Verse did 5? We did not. For John truly baptized with water. John, so here's water baptism mentioned again. But ye shall be baptized. But he said there's the another baptism that's coming. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days. Not many days hence. Amen. And so please get the picture of what Luke has just done. Luke has gone back and picked up with the end of the Great Commission. At the end of his gospel, he said this is part of it. The promise of the Father's coming. Amen. It's going to endue you with power and it's going to make you witnesses. That's what he said at the end of his gospel. Now he opens his sequel. He opens his second book by taking us back to that very moment in time and he said let me give you a few details I didn't give you the first time around I want you to understand something the promise of the father is when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost that's the promise of the father that's what Jesus was talking about in the great commission Amen. 
Well, hallelujah. Now, now, if that's right, then we should be able to connect the promise of the Father, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, with being witnesses, because that's the way Jesus said it in the Great Commission. Right? So Luke's not finished writing. Let's skip down to verse 8. But you shall receive power. Now, wait a minute. The Great Commission, Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with and now he's saying to them in Acts 1 and 8, but you shall receive power. Yes. When? After that, After the, that Holy the Holy Ghost, the you. promise of the Father. Once that promise comes on you, you're going to receive power. And what's it going to do? And, ye shall be and you shall be unto witnesses unto me, both in, both in Jerusalem, Jerusalem and, in and in Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the parts earth. of the earth. I'm telling you, Luke made it abundantly clear what the promise of the Father was. It's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's what empowered them to become witnesses. That's what empowered them to fulfill the Great Commission. Now, now we've covered everything that was said in Matthew, Mark, I'm sorry, Matthew and Luke and Acts. There's just a couple of verses in Mark I need to go back and pick up on uh, that we didn't discuss in this Great Commission. And remember, this is all part of his commission. Right? 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 It's all part of his commission. So in this commission, Mark included a couple of details that none of the others included. Again, not a contradiction. Just additional details. So in Mark chapter 16, verses 17 and 18, he says this. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They're going to cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They'll speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. Take up and serpents. if they drink any deadly they drink thing, deadly thing it shall not hurt them. Shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands, lay on, the hands sick, on the sick. And they shall and they recover. Shall recover. And I'm going to tell you, amen, what we find here is Mark making a connection between this commission and the other commissions. Right? He makes a connection here between the Great Commission and the time Jesus commissioned the Twelve. Do you remember what he commissioned them to do? Heal the sick and cast out devils. Do you remember what he commissioned the Seventy to do? Heal the sick and cast out devils. Right? Right? And so Mark is making a connection. This is the Great Commission. It's not going to be less than what the others have been, but it is going to be more. But there's one other thing that's in the midst of all of this that, that, that's not mentioned in the previous commissions. Uh, where, where, before he talked about healing the sick and casting out devils and dealing with things that could hurt you, that's not going to hurt you in the midst of this commissioning. But now he throws in one other detail that came as a part uh, of the Great Commission. I don't know how many of you caught it, uh, but there's something, uh, amen, that Mark included in the Great Commission. He said they shall speak with new tongues. That's a part of the Great Commission. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, let's praise the Lord for a moment. Hallelujah. 
Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost today. Praise God, praise God. Amen. And so, and so he includes in this, uh, amen, they shall speak with new tongues. Uh, oh yeah, this is like the previous commissions, uh, but it's so much more. Amen. It's so much more because something's going to happen uh, at the fulfillment of this commission uh, that didn't happen with any other commission. Uh, yeah, you saw the sick healed. Uh, yes, you saw the dead raised. Uh, yes, you saw devils cast out, but there's going to be something else that comes as a part of this commission. They're going to speak with new tongues. Oh, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. So, I'm trying, I'm trying to bring all this down to a close. Let me give you a, let me give you a compendium. Does that make me sound intelligent? Good. I need something to help me. I ain't too smart, but once in a while I find a good word. I may not remember it by tonight. But out of everything that I've shown you about the Great Commission, let me put together a little compendium here. Let me put together a list for you of what all we have seen about this great commission. First of all, Matthew 28, 18 states that Jesus alone has all power and authority. Matthew 28, 19 says that they were authorized to tell the lost how to be saved. Amen. Matthew 28, 19 speaks of baptism, saying it's to be done in the name, the name which belongs to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remembering that Jesus just said, I'm the only one there is. I'm the only one that's got all power. He said, I am the Father. I am the Son. I am the Holy Ghost. Well, hallelujah. Amen. Matthew 28, 20 tells us, amen, that the things mentioned in verse 19 are commandments, and that includes baptism. Mark also said, you gotta be baptized to be saved. Amen, Luke 24, 45 says the apostles were given divine enlightenment so that they would fully understand this commission. Amen, Luke 24, 47 says baptism must be preceded by repentance and it should be done in Jesus' name and it is for the remission of sins. Luke 24, 48 to 49 connects being witnesses with being endued with power after receiving the promise of the Father. Amen. Acts 1 verses 4 to 5 explains that the promise of the Father is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Acts 1 verse 8 connects the baptism of the Holy Ghost with being endued with power to be witnesses. And then Mark says there's one more thing that's going to happen as a result of this commission and that is they're going to speak with new tongues. Hallelujah. That's why I told you you can't understand the Great Commission unless you look at all of it. So now let's, let's see as this thing gets fulfilled. Go with me. I really am getting close to being done here. Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. They returned to where? Jerusalem. To where? Come on, the rest of you. It's right here on the wall. If you're not looking at your Bible, in fact, it's up there twice. They returned to where? Jerusalem. All right, now, where did Luke say all this had to begin? Jerusalem. 
had to start in Jerusalem, didn't it? It's got to start in Jerusalem. So they go to Jerusalem. All right, that's where this commission, if it's going to be fulfilled, it's got to start right there. Amen. And then, and then, here's what happens. Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. Start reading. And when the and day when of the Pentecost day was of fully Pentecost come, was fully come. They were all with they one accord in one with place. One accord in one place. And suddenly and there came suddenly a sound from there heaven. There came a sound from heaven as of a, as rushing, of a mighty rushing mighty wind. And it filled and it all, filled the, house all the house sitting. where they were sitting. And there appeared, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues, tongues like as a fire. And it set, and upon, it each set upon each of them. And they were all, they filled, were all with the filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit, as gave, the Spirit them gave them utterance. I'm telling you, they're being endued with power just like Jesus said they would. They're receiving the promise of the Father just like Jesus said they would. Amen. They're speaking in other tongues just like Jesus said they would. In fact, what we see is the moment they received the Holy Ghost, they spoke in tongues. It's obvious this is the evidence that they've received the Holy Ghost. This is the proof that they've received the Holy Ghost because they began to speak with other tongues. Just as the Great Commission said it would happen. Hallelujah. Now, this commission sent them to preach the gospel to the lost beginning at Jerusalem. And that's what happens. So they've received the power now to be witnesses. Hallelujah. And when they receive this power, the crowd that's gathered there is wondering what in the world is going on with these people. They're acting crazy. Now remember what's going on here, and I'm trying to hurry, but remember what's going on. These Jews had gathered in Jerusalem because they were celebrating the Feast of Pentecost. This was one of their holidays. And they had come to the temple to worship. But the kind of worship they saw going on among this 120 was not like the kind of worship they were used to. Their worship was much more ritualistic their worship was much more formal. It was much more structured. But these guys were just acting downright crazy. So crazy that some of those that were standing there said, these men are drunk. They acting like drunk people. Now let me just tell you, I, I, I don't drink I'm not interested in drinking. As a child, I had family members that did. Nine times out of nine, it ended with them fighting. I'm going to tell you, here's what happened. They got drunk. One of the things they'd do, they'd start singing. They got drunk. They had a hard time maintaining their balance. They got drunk. They want to dance. Now, I, I'm, I'm telling you, 
that what the onlookers saw that day was not a group of people sitting piously thinking this is a very nice sermon we're hearing. They saw people staggering. They saw people having a hard time maintaining their balance. They saw people dancing. They, they heard people singing. They heard people talking over one another. Well, that's what made them think this bunch is drunk. And they are stirred and they said, what does all this mean? And Peter said, let me just tell you something. They're not drunk the way you think they are. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last day, saith God, I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. Your young men are going to dream dreams and your old men are going to see visions. And he began to talk to them from the book of Joel. Then it got over into Psalms and, and then, oh, I like Peter because he's long-winded. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm telling you, all of my favorite preachers were long-winded. Peter was long-winded. That's right. Read his sermon in Acts 2. It takes you a while to get through it. And I can promise you they didn't write down every word he preached. Paul was long-winded. He preached past midnight. Some of you get upset if I go past noon. Just imagine if I carried on another 12 hours. Yeah, yeah, and I heard you say amen, but I know what would happen. Same thing that happened to Paul. Eutychus would be falling over asleep. That's what's happening. Paul was long-winded. Jesus was long-winded. Right, read Matthew 5, 6, 7. All one sermon. So, so Peter preaches this long sermon and he closes it by pointing his finger at the people and telling them, you have crucified your Messiah. Well, that's strong language, Peter. But it was true. And here's what happened. Acts chapter 2. Uh, where, where we got here? Verse 30. 36. 36, read. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Uh -huh. Verse 37. Now when they when had they heard, heard this, this, they were pricked in their they heart. They were pricked in their heart. Said unto Peter, they said to Peter, to the rest of the, apostles, the, rest of the apostles, men and brethren, men and brethren what, shall, what we do? shall we do? Now remember, the great commission was put upon these men for the purpose of them preaching the gospel to the lost. This was their job. This is what they were sent to Jerusalem to do, was to reach those that were lost and and tell them how to be saved. Right. Amen. Yes, Hallelujah. And Jesus made it clear what it was they were supposed to preach. Hallelujah. Let's read on. Amen. We're going to find out exactly what Peter had to say. Amen. This is the moment we've been waiting for. The moment when the Great Commission is explained. It's exemplified. And it starts to be fulfilled for the very first time in history. Acts chapter 2 and verses 38 and 39. Then Peter, then said, Peter unto them, said unto them, Repent. Repent. And be baptized, and be baptized every, one 
baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall I'm telling you amen I'm telling you they knew what the great commission was they understood the great commission and now Peter is doing what he was commissioned to do he's preaching baptism but it's got to be preceded by repentance he's saying it's for the remission of sins and it's got to be done in Jesus name he's saying you got to receive the promise of the father which is the infilling of the Holy Ghost Oh, hallelujah. I'm nearly done. I'm nearly done. Amen. Now look, I'm going to tell you this is the only way to fulfill the Great Commission. You don't fulfill the Great Commission by telling people to believe on the Lord. You don't fulfill the commission, amen, by telling people to accept Christ as their personal Savior. There's only one way you can fulfill this commission, amen. You gotta preach what Peter preached. You gotta tell people to repent. You gotta tell them they must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ in order for their sins to be remitted. You gotta tell them they've gotta receive the Holy Ghost and when they do, they'll speak with other tongues. It's the only way you can be saved. It's the only way you can be added to the church. Look, look, let's not stop now. A lot of times we stop at verse 39, but let's keep reading verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Wait, wait, they were what? Baptized. Yeah, they didn't just join a church. They didn't just sign a roll. They didn't say put my membership in that assembly. They said, I understand. I gotta be baptized in Jesus' name. Take me to the water. Read. And the same day day, they were added unto them. They were added unto them. About 3,000 souls. I don't get this. I don't get this, Brother Chad. I don't get this. How people can say, oh, that 3,000 just believed on the Lord. That 3,000 just accepted Christ. That's not what Peter told them to do. If they were added to the church, it's because they did what Peter preached that day. Peter preached the message of the Great Commission. And the only way they could be added to the church, 3,000 of them repented of their sins. 3,000 of them even were baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins and 3,000 of them received the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. Acts chapter 2 verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Wait a minute. How did he add to the church? He didn't add to the church because they believed on the Lord. He didn't add to the church because they accepted Christ as their Savior. (laughs) How did he add to the church? The only way he could add to the church. By going through the very steps he had entrusted into the hands of the men he commissioned. He told them this is what it's going to take for people to be saved. And the only way that God added to the church daily is if they repented, were baptized in Jesus' name, and received the gift of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues. Well, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, welcome to the church where the Great Commission is still being preached. 
welcome to the church where we still stand on the same truth that was handed from Jesus to the apostles and from the apostles to their followers. It's been handed down through the ages. We haven't changed it. We haven't watered it down. We haven't tried to make it palatable. We're not trying to be relevant. We're just declaring the great commission to you. He commissioned us. This is our job now. This is our responsibility now. We got to tell the world, repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and receive the Holy Ghost and you'll speak with other tongues. Oh, come on, let's love the Lord. And if you're here today, if you're listening online, you've never repented of your sins, I'm going to tell you there's no way for you to be saved without repentance. Repentance is not confessing the Lord with your mouth and believing in your heart that God raised you from the dead. That's not repentance. Repentance is recognizing the sin in your life and confessing it to God and asking Him to forgive you of that sin and asking Him to change you so you don't go back to it. That's repentance. You can't make that change on your own. I can't make that change on my own. God's got to do that. And it starts with repentance. If you've never repented, that's the first thing you've got to do. And when you've repented of your sins, you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, I'm not talking about saying Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. No, no, no. It was made very clear by the other gospel writers that there is a specific name that has to be used. And even when the apostles who had divine enlightenment fulfilled this commission in their lives, they didn't say Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They used the, the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved the name of Jesus so if you were baptized saying Father, Son and Holy Ghost you need to be baptized again and do it the Bible way do it in the name of Jesus if you've never been baptized at all you've got to be baptized in order to have those sins washed away but even that's not enough. Because see, that deals with your past. That takes care of what you've done and what you are. But there's another step that's involved. You've got to receive the promise of the Father. You've got to be endued with power. That's the only thing that's going to change you from what you are to what God wants you to be. You'll never change without the power of the Holy Ghost. You've got to receive the Holy Ghost. And when you receive it, you'll speak in tongues just like they did in the Bible. Not a language somebody teaches you. But a language God puts in your mouth. And you speak by divine direction. And when that happens, you've got the power for your life to change. It's the only way. Your life's going to change.
These altars are open this morning. We still got a few minutes. Is there anybody here, amen, that wants to repent of their sins? Anybody here want to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? If you're listening right now, you're listening online, I want to tell you right where you're at, you can fall to your knees. God will hear you. Just tell him, God, I'm sorry for my sin. God, I know I've done wrong. Forgive me, God. Take this away from me. Change me, Jesus. And then ask him to fill you with the Holy Ghost. I've got to have the power that I don't go back to this stuff. I've got to have divine help that I can be different than what I've been so far. Hallelujah. When you've repented, if you'll lift your hands, ask God to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Begin to worship Him. God inhabits the praises of His people. If you'll worship Him, if you'll praise Him, I'm telling you the power of the Holy Ghost can come down right where you are and fill you today. It's for me. It's for you. It's for your children. I'm telling you, it's for all that are afar off. Hallelujah. This is why Peter said, it's for you and your children and all that are afar off. Because that's what the commission told him to preach. Preach it to all the world. Preach it to all the world. It's not limited to one or two. It's not limited to those that are good enough. It's for whosoever will. It's for whosoever wants it. You can have it today. You can have it today. Oh, let's talk to the Lord. Everybody, let's talk to the Lord right now.